This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Tracy McCubbin on the line. Tracy, how are you? I'm good, Michael. How are you? I am great. You have a brand new book out called Making Space Clutter-Free, the last book on decluttering you will ever need. That is great. Congratulations on the book. Thank and, you. And, and, and what, you know, and, and we talked in the, in the pre-show a little bit about, you know, my passion about you know, decluttering and all of that, but what prompted you to write the book? So I have been a professional declutterer for 12 years. I own a company called Declutterfly that's based in Los Angeles, California. And I sort of fell into the business. I was working as a personal assistant and I started getting calls. You know, when you're a personal assistant, you can do everything. So I get these calls and I was helping people move or sort through their stuff. And I just really found I had a knack for it. So I thought, maybe this is a business. So I made a little website and I hung a little sign out and 12 years and 2000 clients later, it's a very, very successful business. But what happened was in the early days, I saw that people, you know, would call me and they wanted to get, you know, they had too much stuff and they wanted to get rid of it, but they kept coming up with all these excuses why they couldn't. Well, I paid good money for it, or my grandmother gave it to me, or maybe I'm going to lose the weight and fit into those pants again. And what I realized is that these excuses were actually blocks. They were blocking them from becoming successful. They were blocking them from creating the home that they wanted to live in. You know, I believe that our home is a tool ultimately, and it's a tool to help us go out in the world and be successful or to come home and rest and nourish. And if your home is cluttered, there's no way you're going to be productive. It's just wears on you. So out of the work I did with my clients, I realized that these excuses were blocks, seven of them, and I call them the seven emotional clutter blocks. So the book highlights all of these blocks and then gives you a fantastic plan to work through them. No, it's great. And I think one of the things for me, and this goes back to when I was a child, uh, my aunts and uncles loved when I'd come over and visit and play with my cousins because before we would start playing, I would straighten up their room and put everything away and then we would start playing with toys. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to dig through dirty underwear and clothes <laughs> and, you know, random stuff, all of this stuff. So, you know, they're, you know, they asked my parents, it's like, you know, what, you know, what are you doing with this kid to make him want to do that? And it's just something that I was quite frankly born with. You know, my house growing up wasn't cluttered. You know, my parents uh, have always kept, you know, a, a, a tidy house. You know, sometimes they've got more stuff than they need, but you know, they're working through that. But growing up, I never remember having to trip over things or have a difficult time trying to find things because things were always where it was right and destined for things to be. So I never had this situation of not being able to find things. And when I go play with my cousins or friends, it was just absolute chaos. I'd go in there. I'm like, okay, I got to do something about this. So I probably should have gone into the same field, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's, it's one of those things where it just comes natural to me. And, and, you know, my better half, 
it by no means is into clutter or anything like that, but she tends to be a little bit more free spirited about where she leaves her keys or you know puts her jacket or anything like that. So I'm 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 constantly like that butler behind <laughs> Yeah, I, I think of like I think it was uh, I think it was Batman um, when Michael Keaton was in there, you know, where you know the butler Alfred would go behind him and you know grab a glass as setting down. It was just I just kind of feel like that standing sometimes. there with the keys in your hand, like, exactly by the front door. Well, yeah, I, I mean every morning, you know, I you know probably too much information, but you know I, I get everything by the the door ready for her because she tends to leave after I do and it's like here's everything staged it's just there and and she she comments on it when I'm out of town and she'll say I know when you're not here because I'm looking for my keys and there's no teammate and I'm like where is he and it's it's just one of those little you know habits that I do but yeah I'm, I'm I'm really curious to you know jump into those seven emotional blocks because when I looked at them they make a ton of sense. And I agree with you. You People hold on to things because, well, this is an heirloom or I'm going to lose that weight or Or it might be worth something. It's, you know, it's listed for sale on eBay for $4,000. And you're like, yes, but how many are listed? And when's the last time one sold at that price? Exactly. And if they are selling at that, then you should probably unload it unless it's (laughs) something that you absolutely positively cannot live without. And I think, that's one of those things when if you really look yourself in the mirror and you say, okay, what can't I live without other than our physical body and at least an article of clothing uh, to make sure that we're properly dressed. Um, there's not much we actually need, but yeah. So let's, let's jump into those seven blocks. Sure. Absolutely. And I want to just start by saying this to your listeners that I am not a minimalist and I am not Um, advocating, you know, I'm not one of those people that's like, you need to only have 30 items in your house. And you know, you only need to have four items of clothes. What I want for people is that I want their, like I said, their house to run smoothly. I want them to feel less stress. So understand that this is a continuum, you know, what's right for some people may not be right for others. But if this is ringing true to you, it means something's not working. If you're like, oh, yeah, I haven't cooked dinner in a while because the kitchen counters are so cluttered or I haven't eaten dinner at my dining room table because it's piled with paper. That's the issue that we're talking about. So I I want people to know that because a lot of people are like, you're going to make me throw all my stuff away. And I'm like, that's not the conversation that we're having. But to dive right in, um, these are fantastic. Like clutter block number one is my stuff keeps me stuck in the past. So this is clothes we can't fit into anymore, you know, trophies from bygone days of playing Little League, you know, lots of photos of, you know, who you used to be, your kids' artwork everywhere or piled up in drawers, and your kids have graduated from college. And this is about telling us, this is a daily reminder of telling us that our best days are behind us. You know, like, look, life goes on. For most of us, we're not going to fit into what we wore in high school. Bodies change. That's okay. But keeping those clothes hanging in your closet on a daily basis, when you look at them, you're like, I'm not that person anymore. I'm a terrible person now. So this clutter block is really about getting you unstuck. Yeah, that's really important. And, you know, I've 
periodically every few months will go through my closet and I've had my own you know, weight loss journey over the last year where I've lost you know, a decent amount of weight. So a lot of my shirts just were too big. So I donated them. And you look at the closet and you go, wow, I have no clothes. Okay. Hmm. Well, I'm going to have to address that. And so I did, but it was one of those things where, you know, I had bought some shirts and of course, as with anything, you buy some clothes and you're like this, I like this. I like how it feels and fits and all this stuff. And then there's some that, that, eh, that's okay. Um, and then you realize, wait a minute, I'm not wearing this very often. So why do you don't know I that we wear, it? Michael, we wear 20% of our clothes, 80% of the time. Oh, I believe that. I believe yeah. that. I believe so that. when you, when you're confronted with that, you're like, oh, this is 80% of volume that I'm just not wearing. Um, you know, I always tell people, think about when you go travel, right? You pack a suitcase and go to New York for the week or go visit your relatives. And you're not, you dress fine. You look adorable. You wear cute clothes and you're happy every day. You're not thinking like, oh, I really wish I had six more pairs of pants. So we really, clothes especially, we just need so little. Yeah. I've purged so many of my clothes and even personal items too. Uh, And yeah, it helps when you live in a condo Mm -hmm. Uh, because you know storage space isn't anywhere near what it would be if you were in a house with a full basement or you know i know one of the i don't know if this is still the case but i know a few years ago you know one of the largest growing industries in the united states was the storage industry oh no it's still we can segue into storage i'm gonna say this off-site storage is bad i have been in hundreds of storage units and there has never been an item that someone has paid for off-site storage that is worth more than they have paid to store it. There is no, there are one or two little reasons why you should have temporary off-site storage, your remodeling, a few things, but there's no reason for it because here's the thing. If it's in off-site storage, you're guaranteeing that you're not going to use it. You're not going to go and get it and you're I, this is an exercise that my clients hate, but it's like the get real exercise where I'm like, I need you to add up what you've spent on offsite storage. And it's often in the tens of thousands of dollars. So I'm with you. It's like, if you just know offsite storage is bad. I'm sure public storage is going to come after me, but. (laughs) Well, they're not a sponsor of the show and (laughs) I I don't, I wouldn't necessarily have them because it's not in alignment with, you know, what is important to me. I've used, uh, you know, offline storage, but it was a temporary situation in between moves. It's like, okay, we're in, you know, moving from one place. We, I knew I was only going to be at this particular location for a short period of time until we moved into uh, the, the condo. And it's like, okay. And it's like, and there wasn't really room in that place there. So it's like, oh, we'll get this. And then we moved it. And of course I would say even after that, I'd say 75% of the stuff that was in the storage and we brought it here, I don't have now. Yeah. Because it, it was like, I don't need this anymore. It doesn't really fit with A, my lifestyle, B, the space. It's like, no, we don't I've helped. This. I've helped clients with storage units that they've been buying things for the next house that they're going to get. And then they get the next house and they bring all the stuff from storage and they're like, oh, I don't like it in here or it doesn't work in here and they've paid to store it. So it's really, um, 
it's really one of those, it's very much one of my soapboxy things that I'm like, there's a couple good reasons, but other than that, there is nothing in that storage unit that you need. Um, it's, it's pretty intense. And did you know this? I, I don't know if this, I know you're, based, you're up in Canada and, and I'm sure that this statistic applies up there, but in the United States, only 25% of Americans can park their car in their garage. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's it, it it they so they park it outside, and then for those of us, especially in well, all of Canada, you know, we're approaching uh, the winter season, and nothing is more defeating than having to you know, scrape off your car uh, of snow and ice and everything else, especially when you have a garage that you wouldn't necessarily have to deal with that at least first thing in the morning. You know, it's tough enough for us to get up and get out the door and, and go on a commute to work. Uh, that's, that's a big challenge for many people, but then toss in, you know, several months out of the year where you're clearing off your car of snow and stuff and you have a garage that you wouldn't have to deal with that, but you, you have too much stuff in there that quite, if it's in your garage, you're not using it. Right. And that, Michael, that's a great, like that line that you just drew, that's such a great way to illustrate the cost of your clutter, right? People always say to me, like, why do I, why should I declutter? Why do I be decluttered? And I'm like, because it saves you time and it saves you money. So if you, in you know, up in Canada, winter comes, if you could park your car in your garage and you didn't have to spend the 20 minutes in the morning in the freezing cold, de-icing your car, that's 20 minutes you bought yourself to go to the gym or watch your favorite show or have a conversation with your partner. Like that's time that you can actually buy back. And that's time that your clutter, your stuff is eating up. And from a financial standpoint too, if you have so much clutter that you need to live in a home instead of an apartment, for example, the, the challenge is, especially in areas where you know real estate prices are crazy, and Toronto is definitely one of those. You are talking thousands of dollars a month or a year for mortgage payments because you need to have that extra bedroom to store all the stuff that you don't use. Another exercise I do with my clients, especially the ones who have a bedroom or two that has just become a storage depot, you know, the kids have gone away to college or, you know, something they've, they've just filled it up. I'm like, okay, I know in Los Angeles, I think right now, uh, real estate's like about 500 something a square foot. I'm like, okay, so that's a, you know, let's figure out the square footage of that room. That's what you're paying to store that stuff. There's a real, real cost to it. And, you know, that rolls really nicely into, we're going to go to the bottom of the list, but clutter block number seven, which is what I call the stuff I keep paying for. So this is, you know, offsite storage units, rooms you can't use. This is, oh, I, you know, I paid really good money for this. I'm never going to, I've never used it. I, I don't know if I ever will, but I can't let it go because I paid good money for it. I joke all the time that the first thing I say when I'm in a client's house and they have a giant treadmill in their in their bedroom. I'm like, do you use this every day? And they're like, I do to hang my clothes on, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so that's a cost. It's like, okay, you know, and unfortunately or fortunately, that's the moment where I'm like, you got to put your big girl pants on. You got to accept that you made a bad financial mistake and stop repeating it. Let it go. Maybe, maybe you can sell it on Craigslist. Maybe not. Maybe you can donate it, but stop making the bad financial decision over and over again. 
Yeah, I see that all the time. And I, you know, when I tell people and work with them on whatever they're dealing with with stress or burnout, I, I tell them, don't be judgmental to yourself because of a decision that you made in the past. It's done. You can decide, however, does this item make sense to have in your life? If you're not using it, then it doesn't. Uh, donate it or sell it, you know, whatever works out. Uh, but getting rid of something that you're not using gives you that time and the space to be able to do the things that you truly want to do and what's meaningful for you right now. Absolutely. I was working with a client recently and she, her mother had passed out of state. And so she had everything shipped and was paying for a storage unit to store her mother's stuff. And um, her mother had been a bit of a hoarder, really a hoarder, like, um, and so this it was full of just nothing that this woman was ever going to use or need. And she said, I just, you know, I feel so bad. My mom, you know, my mom spent such money on it and she was on a fixed income. And I said, you know, just because your mom made that mistake, are you going to keep repeating it? Like, that's not your mistake to make. Maybe by letting go and freeing up this storage unit that you're paying for, you're breaking that cycle. And I think that we as a country have to get, and, you know, I include we at the the royal we, everybody, you know, we need to get really real about what our stuff is costing us. Yeah, well, I agree. And it's it's one of those things to where, and again, I think living in a condo you know, really hammers at home for me because anything that we consider, like, oh, we should buy that. You know, the first thing is, okay, one, where would we put it? Number two, what's, and this is a mindset that we both have, is, okay, what's going to go when we bring this in, yep. you know, it's uh, something comes in, something's got to go out. We, um, while we have open space and things like that, we don't have a desire to, you know, fill it up where we can't navigate around or where you have to walk sideways in order to get into a room. It's like, no, you don't, you don't want that. It's like, what, what makes sense for us to have? Does it serve a purpose? Is it going to make our lives easier? Is it going to give us time? or enjoyment or entertainment, you know, these are all deep questions to ask. And it's one of those things too. I know a lot of people will use this exercise where, you know, depending on how much an item is, if it's a big ticket item, you know, for every, I don't know, I think it's every hundred dollars, they say, okay, I'm going to wait a day for every hundred dollars this thing is. So if it's, you know, $2,000, I'm going to wait about this for 20 days, basically, to see if I, truly want it and oftentimes when they get to that point they they may even decide before that it's like "Mm, no no i really don't need it one of the uh great thing i do with clients and speaks exactly to this is just the simp the first thing i'm like stop saying i want that i'm sorry stop saying i need that start saying i want that so you're like oh i really need a new pair of jeans do you? Because you have 12 pairs. Do you need, are you a rancher? Do you need a new pair of jeans? No, actually, I just want them. So get comfortable with saying that. I just want that. And that will also help like, like, I actually don't really need it. I just want it. And then you wait a little bit of time and you're like, I actually don't even want it. I'd rather have the money. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That want and need thing is a big thing. I hear that all the time. And Again, it's it's one of those things where oftentimes, and I know you see this with people, when they 
acquire something and they want to buy something or they buy a lot or you know potentially you know start you know flirting with becoming a hoarder it's covering up something else it's to address something else that they're not addressing um you know like i know one of the emotional boss you, you mentioned is you know the fantasy stuff or fantasy life it's you know why is their life not where they want it to be you know right. what's going on there with that or, you know, also clutter block number five, which is I'm not worth my good stuff. You know, these are the people who don't use grandma's china and don't wear the clothes with the tags on it. And for me, that's always a self-worth issue. Like, no, use your nice china. You're worth it. Burn that fancy candle. Wear that nice blouse. Wear those good pair of shoes. Like, you're worth your good stuff. Because if not today, when? I mean, you and I discussed this, you know, we're right in the middle of these terrible fires in California. And I, you know, I'm a Californian born and raised and it's just awful and people are losing everything. And, you know, you, I only hope that the stuff that they are heartbroken over losing that they'd been using. Imagine if they had stuff tucked away and never used it and then it was burned up. It's like, use your nice stuff. You're worth it. Believe in yourself. Yeah, everybody says, well, we only use this for special occasions. It's like every what? day is special. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I really believe that every day is special. Like you open your eyes and you got a day, you know, it's just every day is special. I think that this idea that, you know, life is mundane and we have to punish ourselves and just use the, you know, it's like, no, set a nice table for dinner, burn a candle where, you know, it's every day is special. We're lucky to be here every day. I completely agree. So of these seven emotional blocks, is there one you tend to see more often than not with people? Um, it's funny. Lately, I have been working, uh, clutter block number six is trapped with other people's stuff. And this is about stuff that people have inherited when people have passed away. And I'm working, a big part of my business is senior downsizing, you know, helping seniors move from lifelong homes into smaller residences or retirement communities. And I also help a lot of people after someone has passed away, especially parents and the boomer generation. So I'm really seeing this one, that furniture, you know, is being passed down. Someone's passed away and they're like, I already have a household furniture, like I got to get a storage unit to save my, you know, my parents, you know, pine furniture that I'm never going to use. I'm this one I'm seeing a lot. Like it was in my family for a long time. Therefore I should keep it. And I'm like, no, you should keep it if you use it. So I'm really seeing the, you know, trapped with other people's stuff a lot. And also clutter block number two, my stuff tells me who I am because that's really about shopping. That's my people who are buying to combat loneliness. You know, I, you know, I had a client say to me, she goes, how could I ever be lonely? I have 200 pairs of shoes and you know, now shopping's so easy. You don't even have to put pants on. Oh, you, know? you can have something delivered in a day. So I'm really seeing, I'm really seeing the toll of online easy shopping yeah i see that a lot too and it's it's literally it's you can buy something in in seconds and it's delivered to you and you don't have to you know much less you know 
like I said, put on pants to be able to get it, you know, you go out to the mailbox and grab it and away you go or it's right at your front door. And it's, it, it, it definitely feeds into, you know, those things. And, and the one thing about the inheriting um, heirlooms from your family that's been in your family for decades and all of that kind of good stuff, that's just going to continue because our population is aging and, you know, and Absolutely. In, this, in this area, and I know it's across the, you know, the plane that, that, you know, in less than 20 years, you know, the population over age 65 is going to double and over age 90 will triple. So mm-hmm. when these people start to pass on, that's a lot of things to deal with. And, you know, and people that. are living longer. So the generations behind them are older. So they already have a house full of stuff. So they're, you know, it used to be that, you know, where people were passing away younger and there was a younger generation that was just starting their life. And now, you know, I, I'm, I'm starting to see, interestingly, now I'm starting to see grandchildren that are like, my grandma, you know, my grandparents just passed. I have a house full of stuff. Like I can't take any of it. So, you know, I think that it's twofold. Like where does that stuff go? I think we need to really start to rethink the idea that I need everything new from Pottery Barn and get really back into reusing and upcycling and, you know, what can we do to a piece of furniture to make it work in our house and so it doesn't end up in a landfill. And then I also have to think we, we have to start thinking about our own buying that, you know, when I go, where does all this stuff go? You know, when you throw something away, where's away? Yeah, away is uh, not too far from you in many cases or... Mm -hmm. You know, it ships somewhere else and it just, you know, starts piling up and affects the air we breathe and the food we eat and everything else. So that, you know, that's things that people don't think about necessarily when they say, well, I don't need this um, Ikea dresser anymore. I'm just going to you know, throw it in the trash and it'll be gone. Well, well no. it's not, it's not, <laughs> it won't be gone. <laughs> it's not gone. It's going somewhere else and it's going to do whatever it's going to do. And it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this. Gr- I'm seeing this great movement on Instagram. These young women, I think young men too. I, I'm just mostly noticing the young women, but um, that are m- making it really cool again to shop at thrift stores to buy u- used clothes, and really like there's you know they'll sort of see like. I've seen him take a fancy outfit out of a magazine and then recreate it out of the thrift store and really proud, you know, it, it feels like this idea of being thrifty is kind of coming back in vogue, you know, for a long time, it was like being, having everything new was the way you went. And now there's this movement, this green movement of these young people like, no, it's cool to not buy something new. It's cool to recycle and upcycle. And I love it. I think it's fantastic. And it's just, I'm 100% behind it. I think it's great. Yeah, I do too. And I think it, it helps a variety of different people because a lot of those organizations, you know, donate some of their proceeds to charity. And also, you know, for those that, you know, financially can't afford something new, they, you know, will be able to have nice clothes and be able to, you know, dress the way that they want to dress that makes them feel good. Um, and they're keeping they, it out of the landfill, you know, they're exactly. keeping it out of the landfill. It's just such a win-win. It's really great. These girls are, these young women are really inspiring. I'm like, look at you. You look adorable. I love that. I know. It's it's great that that uh, the younger generation is, is taking that back up and it's uh, going to benefit everybody involved. 
So fantastic. I've loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work that you're doing? Absolutely. So the book is called Making Space Clutter-Free, the last book on decluttering you'll ever need. And it's available on Amazon. It's available Kindle. It's available audio, um, Barnes and Noble. It's very easy to find. And I'm, you know, my kind of two favorite platforms for social media. I love Instagram. So I'm Tracy McCubbin over there. And then Facebook. This is Tracy McCubbin. Um, you know, that Facebook thing where you're like, can't you get the name the same? But uh, those are both places. And then my website, Tracy McCubbin, M-C-C-U-B-B-I-N.com. You can take a quiz to find out what clutter block you have, which is really interesting to people. And there's lots of great content about how to recycle and re- reuse. And um, it's, a, it's fun. It's a great community over there. That's awesome. And I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. So Tracy, thank you very much for your time. Also, thank you for doing what you do, because I think you, you you are helping a lot of people, you know, get through, you know, this clutter thing, which has an impact on how they live and, and brings happiness and joy and fulfillment to people's lives once they, you know, get under a better control uh, of you know the stuff that they have and what they need to have and i'm with you i'm not a minimalist a lot of people thought i was but i'm like no i'm i'm more of an essentialist it's like what do you oh, need what do you like need? that yeah. i'm gonna borrow that michael By i'm all an means. essentialist that's yeah. fantastic By I all love means, that. yeah uh, uh, greg, <laughs> greg mccown wrote a book called essentialism that's where i borrowed it from so greg thank you for the book by the way so uh, yeah so awesome stuff tracy thank you so much for your time today thank you michael Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.